Oh boy. Why? Do we have sponsors today? No. We have sponsors every day. Oh boy. We have sponsors in Dad's head. That's where they are. First of all, we do have sponsors. Are we on? Are we yeah. <laughs> <It's live. laughs> uh, 1440 Coffee Roasters is a sponsor. I had some this morning. The Rwandan blend. You're having some right now? I'm having some right now. How wonderful. How did you make yours? Tell us a little bit about that, because usually we have it uh, via pour-over method with a Chemex, but you you had it in a different way. I did. Expound uh, on that. Expound on that. Uh, I like cold coffee, even in the winter, uh, so I made my own cold brew. How do you feel about people who drink hot coffee in the summer? That's just weird. That makes me uncomfortable. Very. Uh, we're, We're at... Uh, a coffee place a couple weeks ago, if you remember, and some psychopath, even though it is cold outside, ordered it extra hot. Oh, yeah. Like, first of all, how do they do that? That's not real. There is no extra hot. <laughs> what, they what they do. They monitor, they monitor the temperature. And so at Starbucks, like they have a standard temperature for their hot coffees, and so they can... Standard Make it temp- harder. Standard temperature. Hotter. Standard temperature is burn your mouth, and then extra hot is scald is, your insides. It is hard, harder because it's harder. You can't drink it. I don't. I don't like, understand. Why would you do that to yourself? You just want to hold it. You want everybody to know how cool you are because you got a coffee. Well, like, that's why I let you get hot coffee. Then I can hold it so my hands are warm, and then I drink my cold coffee. It's so hot. Regular <laughs> coffee when they give it to you is so scorching hot. You can't drink it. You yeah. mean on like a Sunday? morning late morning in in like august you oh. don't want to sip on and it's like 85 and humid oh. you don't want to drink a hot coffee what's wrong with them like <laughs> wait, you have to ask them come up to me like what's wrong with you people like what they like i don't like hot coffee at any point so people think it's weird that i drink cold coffee during the winter i think it's great so anyway they're a sponsor <laughs> 1440 coffee roasters uh technically the RP Diet app is also a sponsor of you. Renaissance RP periodization. Gen- I don't think so. RP in general, not just the diet app. That's but true. But you can use the diet app. But you can and should use the diet app. I uh, use the diet app. So do I. So do I. Yep. Uh, so why don't we tell the people a little bit about how they can use the diet app if they want to put on more muscle, if they want to look less fat, if they want to just maintain their weight, if they're at a physique that they're pleased with. Uh, what is the best way to sign up for the app where they can save a couple bucks? Uh, really simple. Download the app on your phone. <laughs> and then it asks if you have a promo code. Uh, and the promo code is just my last name, Danko10. The number 10, one, zero. Is it all one word? All one word. Boom. D-A-N-K-O-10. Yes. That's it. That's it, it. They are a fantastic company. They're at the literal tip of the spear in terms of nutrition and hypertrophy training to a certain extent, strength sport training in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the app is an absolutely fantastic product. We've referred a lot of people to it. Uh, there's a, Frankly, there's a point as coaches where we can do macros for people. It's not rocket science to do that. Um, but really where the coaching part comes in is helping you adhere to your plan. And frankly, we tend to refer people to that because um, it's like having a dietitian in your pocket. It makes changes in real time uh, as your day and schedule changes, which everybody does. So definitely check that out, especially if you're used to tracking your food a little bit. 
Um, and then obviously save yourself a few dollars with, with Amanda's code. They have uh, several books as well, including recipe books, a new one that was just released. Um, it's got a lot of fun things. Uh, people think that eating healthy has to be boring and just like a chicken breast and some broccoli. Uh, while we may like that and don't get tired of that, I know other people do. Um, and so you can use my discount code on anything on their website, including books, apparel, etc. Yeah. Look into it. They're a fantastic company. We're happy to be shills for them because they do really, really, really good work, all based in research and science and not in uh, the magic. Yeah, not in the pretend <laughs> world, basically. All right. So that's it. Those are our sponsors. Let's get into the topic of the day, which is broadly powerlifting and more specifically Rise uh, continued foray into powerlifting. So tell us a little bit about what is about to happen and what sparked uh, this conversation that we thought people might be interested in. So uh, six days from now, five from Monday, if you're listening to this when it comes out. Uh, so Saturday, I'm competing in a powerlifting meet, um, relatively local. And it's the first time I've done a powerlifting meet, but not necessarily the first time I've done powerlifting-esque training. Um, so yeah, pretty exciting. I will be in the 74 kilo weight class, which is like 163 pounds, and uh, in a teen division, raw teen three, which essentially means no equipment other than a belt and uh, with other kids my age. So I think the age range is like 18 to 20 or 18 and 19. Um, so right where I'm at and yeah. Do you get to wear your lifters? I think I can. As part of I'm your not going raw? To. Yeah, you can, but okay. I, don't, I don't like like back squatting and lifters as in like maximal okay. uh, situations. Because I know certain equipment is allowed depending on which division it's, you're in. And... It's like extremely specific yeah. i had to read they i had to read a bunch of stuff and stuff that you would think like literally doesn't matter like you Matters. can't yeah. yeah yeah like so no grips or straps for you because you're in raw i think you can use wrist wraps when you bench but i don't anyways i think i'm going to be on the very like the farthest extreme end of like no equipment, literally, because I just wear a belt you're and chalk for one. Of yeah, the raw. you're basically <laughs> raw dogging it. Yeah. <laughs> With regard yeah. to powerlifting, yes, that is. Um, yeah, so just a belt, <laughs> um, and probably just my Nike Metcons shoes that I wear every day. Isn't that uh, an interesting thing? Where, uh, with regard to shoes, so yeah, I think they're really talking about like can't wear a bench shirt. Can't wear straps. Uh, Maybe knee, knee, knee sleeves, sleeves, but not wraps. I, correct. Yeah, and you can only wear like a certain, certain ply yeah. of knee Thickness, sleeves. Yeah. yeah, so it's really interesting. That world has moved uh, demonstrably from equipped powerlifting, which would be like bench shirts, uh, squat suits, deadlift suits, that kind of stuff. A lot of assistive gear to less uh, over the past decade or so. So yeah, and then obviously you're on like the extreme low side. Yeah, of like effectively nothing. So tell us a little bit about, because I'm with you. I, I think like training for hypertrophy, we're all advocates of wearing weightlifting shoes or lifters. Uh, but I would say 
for all of us for powerlifting, we would not. We would wear nanos or metcons or like no bulls or, or whatever, uh, something like that, um, or even like sambas, uh, vans. So yeah, vans, flat-soled shoes. So why theoretically, if you're judged in the full lift being below parallel, and we know that Olympic weightlifting shoes can help help get you below parallel, uh, why would you choose not to use them? We'll make that our first question. Uh, so, well, for me personally, I feel like I, and this is something that I've kind of discovered over the course of this training block of heavier squatting, is that I naturally get a little bit toesy with my squat. So I naturally kind of go onto my toes a little bit. So I've been working a lot to stay on my heels or put distribute my weight throughout my full foot. Um, and since the weightlifting shoes have an elevated heel and inherently put more pressure kind of towards your toes and your quads, I, that's kind of the opposite direction I want to go. So, um, obviously great for getting to depth, but I don't really struggle getting to depth. I, we've kind of joked that like, I'm probably going to squat the deepest out of every person there. (laughs) Everyone's going to be like, why, why are you going so deep? Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's more comfortable. I have more of a stable base, and especially because I'm already kind of toesy, uh, it allows me to s- kind of sit back a little bit more and have more of a stable position to press off of. Because initially in this training block, uh, I went through not necessarily an injury, but maybe a couple strains kind of due to my poor positioning of coming forward on the squats. So I've fixed that as we've gone on through this training block. I think that's an excellent point, and I think this underscores a big difference between training to build muscle and training for absolute strength, especially within the sport of powerlifting where the goal is maximal expression of as much weight as you can. And the strategy of the sport is basically to use as little of range of motion and as much of your body as you possibly can to get that. And it's the opposite with hypertrophy training or or bodybuilding style training where the goal is like target musculature in a given movement. So obviously that's why we wear Olympic lifting shoes because the target musculature of squatting are your quads more than anything else. And wearing lifters helps target your quads. But we don't want to do that with powerlifting. You want to use obviously your entire legs. You want to use your glutes, you want to use to a lesser extent your hamstrings and of course also your quads. So you don't want to necessarily use footwear that biases towards one or the other. And again, again, range of motion, you need to hit enough range of motion for it to be a good lift. There's not extra bonus points for uh, going all the way down into a full like Olympic squat position. That's actually something that I've been thinking about over the course of this uh, training block and kind of getting ready for this is I'm aware that almost all of the other people I'll be competing against probably won't squat as deep as I will just because they squat to powerlifting standards which is parallel or like breaking parallel whereas I just naturally I don't like I almost don't know how to squat to par like I can't just mentally because I've always squatted way like as far down as I can go so that'll be an interesting thing is like in the future, if I were to play around with that, if I can in theory squat more yeah, due to like lessening the range of motion. But obviously like in hypertrophy standards, that's the opposite of what we want. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a different training for sure, especially because like understanding where your body is in kind of space, right? And so limiting yourself to parallel or just below parallel um, and becoming comfortable and aware with that is, is a little bit trickier than people think. Because um, there are a lot of our clients that when we train, uh, they're they think they're getting below parallel and they're not they're above it and so we're constantly telling them to go lower um whereas for you the exact opposite problem would be to get you to try and stop higher than what you're used to uh and so yeah it would be interesting to see if you trained that way what what that would change if anything yeah a secondary element of that is how you squat right so it's not the only the depth to which you squat which is lower than is what is absolutely required in terms of powerlifting standard, but also the position. So tell us a little bit about where the bar sits for you versus where effectively everybody else we can surmise in a competitive setting is going to have the bar positioned and then why? Yeah, so I, I generally most powerlifters you'll see squatting low bar or with a low bar position so the bar is sitting lower on their back uh almost like at like mid like mid back it's uh, well, for it's some people back. like it, but like much dramatically lower. lower than uh high bar so i squat high bar which means that the bar is like right under my traps or right above my scaps um which allows you to be more quad dominant um and go deeper usually um, but some argue that it's not as powerful because you're not necessarily using quite as much you're not loading your hamstrings i guess as much um, my reasoning for choosing high bar is just because that's always what i've done and i'm extremely comfortable with that so it doesn't make sense for me to try to learn something new at a maximal percentage and then try to like execute it all within the course of a couple weeks. It would have to be over the course of maybe a year or a couple years of slowly learning how to actually execute that position well. So it makes way more sense for me to high bar squat and bury them and know that I'll get to depth and try to play around with low bar. And I think I'm also like quad dominant in general, so it makes sense for me to play to my strength of being quad dominant and then not necessarily take that away. Yeah, I think that's the, the first thing you said is just the fact that you're used to it. So it's absurd, especially at heavy or near maximal weights to try to play with new and a significantly different technique. Obviously, with low bar squatting in an absolute sense, people can, if they're proficient in the technique, squat more. That's why every competitive powerlifter, save for a few, squats with a low bar technique. Um, and the difference between the two is noticeable visually, but it's not it's, it's not like feet of difference. It's uh, just just a, maybe two inches or an inch and a half of difference, but it mechanically loads you differently. Um, so theoretically you can express the movement at a heavier weight. But again, that's guys, the idea of specificity, specificity and using what you're good at so that you can have the best and safest result um so obviously you've been engaging with the three the big three 
powerlifting lifts for a long time. You're not new to them. You can express them all at pretty significant weights. Um, so, and we, you've done like mock meets before um, in, that involve very, very similar preparation in terms of strength training and then peaking. What made you want to be in a meet? So maybe talk a little bit about previous competitive things you've done within strength sport or kind of mixed modal sport and then what made you take an interest in powerlifting? Um, so in the past, I've done a handful of like CrossFit mixed modal competitions, um, and that was all fun. I enjoyed doing that. Um, but as kind of seasons changed and we turned our focuses towards other things, um, it was always something that had kind of been in the back of my head because I like doing all three movements, and I quickly learned that I was pretty proficient and my numbers were pretty good for my size and especially my age. Um, so it was always something that I had kind of had in the back of my mind and I just happened to uh, kind of look at like some of the numbers for my weight class and my age group and all that stuff and realized that I was not that far off of what those numbers look like. So it would be, it wasn't like I was dramatically under what those kids are hitting. Um, so that kind of lit the fire for me and it was time for a change in terms of I'd been running hypertrophy for a while. So it was time to switch to some strength based programming. Um, and so it kind of just fell in line and I just happened to look up some local meets in the next couple months and found the one that I'm going to do. And it aligned pretty well with timing, with programming and just decided to hit it. And I think it was kind of due time for a competition because it's been about a year since the last time I did any sort of competition or competed. Um, and I like doing that stuff. I like having, I like the competitive aspect and having something to look forward to. Um, so yeah, it just seemed like a good fit in terms of timing and what I was doing anyways in my programming. Would you say that losing to dad in our little mock power meet powerlifting me made you want to do this more so you can take him on again potentially although i even though i like quote unquote lost even though it was like i i think i like in my mind i won because i won by a margin on the squat which is essentially only thing that matters <laughs> with us. I, um, I love that you conceptualize a loss in absolute terms in like one of the simplest of sports you lift three things and then add up the weight. Yeah. Uh, and then whoever has the most at the end of that addition is the winner. That, that's still too much of an abstraction. You know <laughs> I mean? And also that we tied on one and basically that the margin on the the difference was more on the on the ones that made the decision. So you can make the same argument that I just outbenched you by so much <laughs> that it would be embarrassing for you. To call that a victory. True. Almost also certainly that would be the last time I beat you. Though. I almost know. <laughs> I know on a long enough timeline that that's not going to stay the same stay forever. Stay the same. Well, um, if you don't know what we're referring to, we did a little mock powerlifting meet. When was that? August. Back in, yeah, in August. Summer, yeah. yeah, summertime. Uh, and we recorded videos that are on our Instagram um, and even did a podcast after the fact. Uh, about that. So if you're interested in hearing about the start of that, you can go back and listen to that episode. Do you think that training for a competition 
gives you more focus than, say, for example, training for hypertrophy, where you're not going to compete in a show anytime soon. Potent, you know, I mean, theoretically, that's off in the distance, but but not imminent, where it's like you're 12 weeks out or whatever, where you know that you have a meet date picked, singlet purchased you know, money paid, does that focus you a little bit more? Or do you find that you just enjoy training and it doesn't make much difference? You're just, it just is something to be otherwise excited for. Uh, both. Um, I think especially with my diet, I've been extremely, like, knowing that the competition is coming, like, and I, I, there's not, like, a choice. Like, I have to be at a certain point that's been a big factor and obviously with my training as well but I also just enjoy it like I'd have fun with it and the majority of this training block I've just been like doing it and it's only the past couple days or couple weeks where it's like okay now I need to really fine-tune and get ready for the competition itself Um, but it's always like kind of in the back of your head like well you know I'm doing this for like I'm going to compete I'm not going just to like show up so you're you always it, it is kind of a little push. It's always in the back of your head, I'd say. But I think it's more, like I said, more with the, like the diet aspect than the training because that's always always kind of there for me. And I think you, anyways, we just like, like doing it. Yeah, it's not hard to find the push. No. But at the same time, you sort of alluded to this. You're not going to lose. No. Like you're not going for fourth place. Yeah. And get like a participation trophy. You're going to step on throats, basically. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, in terms of... And this is something we'll obviously talk about in our next one, in our wrap-up episode. Um, you know, in terms of getting into competitive powerlifting, would you say it's a fairly approachable thing to get into? Like different sports and activities, you get into sailing, you know, scuba diving, yeah. not super approachable, right? A lot of upfront investment in time. And money. And money. Um, but would you say that this experience, and obviously you have a background in strength sport, so you're familiar with the movements themselves, but in terms of getting into the competitive side has been fairly approachable, like something that most people could do if they were so inclined. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been like extremely approachable because literally all I had to do was fill out like a membership card for USAPL, United States Powerlifting, um, and sign up for the meet I wanted to do, and that was, that was it, and order a singlet and pay couple bucks like that was literally it there's no qualification or anything like that um so i think it's extremely approachable and they they seem to want people more people to do it and more people to join and just like come and be there and have fun um so yeah i think it's like extremely approachable maybe more than the majority of sports even like a crossfit competition yeah yeah it's uh it's not that much underlying skill set uh involved so where with this meet like does this lead you into something else like is there somewhere else you can go with this should you finish first if your numbers are at a certain level can you tell us a little bit more about that i think as far as i understand correctly if i achieve a certain total um i can qualify for nationals um, in terms of like winning the competition or how I place, I don't know if it's enough of a high level competition to do anything with that. But since it is like USAPL sanctioned, my total can qualify me for 
a national competition or a higher level competition. But I think other than that, since it's relatively local, it's not, there isn't much I can do in terms of if I win it. Gotcha. So how long has this training block been? So you alluded to the fact that you were coming out of a training block focused on hypertrophy or building muscle and then switched into this. So tell us a little bit about kind of the particulars of your block and let's start with length. So it's been all a total, it'll probably be about 10 weeks. Um, that includes one deload and one kind of bridge and then also like my final week now of tapering um so i guess you could look at it as like eight weeks of training hard training um and yeah so not i feel like i kind of rushed it a little bit i think generally you would try to give maybe like 12 to 16 weeks um but with that being said i also didn't give myself like four so i was kind of on the low end of maybe where you want to be but still plenty of time to get ready. Cool. And so how did the, you said it, there was like deload week, you're in tapering now. Uh, tell us a little bit about what came before that though. So tell us a little bit about the general strength, like accumulation period, and then peaking what those looked like, just in case, assuming that a lot of people are not familiar with uh, strength training progression. And obviously the, the coaching you're working under right now is, at the top of the industry in that in that realm yeah so the general strength period was um i would generally have a day dedicated towards each of the three lifts so squat one day bench one day deadlift one day and then the other two days would be filled in uh, with a combination of the three or maybe just accessory work um, so on those main three days it would be look something like uh, you know, four by five or five by fives at a given percentage. Um, so generally, depending on the lift uh, and depending on where we were at in terms of the training block, it would be like between 80 and maybe 85% generally of my one rep max. And then as we went on, obviously intensity went up. So the weights went up and volume has dropped a little bit. So now that we're in peaking, um, which has been the past couple weeks, generally it's a heavy single or maybe heavy double at a relatively high percentage. So between like 90 and 98% of my max, and then a few back down sets. So maybe some sets of three at a lower percentage. And then the rest of the day is filled in with accessory hypertrophy work. So that was kind of the staple throughout the whole training block is I would have my Kind of meat and potatoes and then there would always be accessory work uh, that looked very similar to hypertrophy training but obviously was related to whatever i was doing so if we were deadlifting then there might be some rdls but higher reps and a little bit lower weight so throughout that whole time the sets stayed about the same between two and three um, but obviously i progressed through reps and weight instead of our general hypertrophy where we kind of progress with sets as well. Cool. And so what were the big focus points for you kind of coming out of that mock meet in the summer? Um, and then how did you kind of, how was that folded into your programming? So obviously coming into this meet, you could uh, make those weaknesses less, less of weaknesses basically. So all three 
of my lifts, my I kind of struggle in like what you could term the midpoint or mid-range of the lift. So not the very beginning of the concentric, so pressing up on the bench or squatting back up or pulling the deadlift, the bar off the ground for the deadlift. Um, so not the very first part and not the very end locking it out, but right in the middle. So that was kind of a common theme throughout all three. Um, so I, my programming was tailored towards that. So some of the accessory movements were based around that. So I did a lot of spoto press on bench, which is essentially pausing at that mid range and then pressing up from there. So in like purposefully limiting the range of motion, um, and some pause squats for squatting and then some various variations for deadlifting as well and just tons of hamstring work because I know that I'm quad dominant like I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, but in terms of probably the, a weak link, definitely my bench press. So that's been a big focus on uh, in this training block. Cool. Yeah, strengthening that. And obviously, you've done more of the other two movement patterns. So inherently, you're just going to be, those are going to be more well-developed. So that what you brought up with Spoto Press is such an interesting thing. And Spoto Press, or, or it's a like a variant of a board press without using a board. Uh, and Floor Press actually kind of does the same thing. Can look to the untrained eye like you're not doing the full range of motion which obviously we preach, especially within hypertrophy, but within all forms of training. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of what that entails. So you touched on it, like where you go half the range of motion, um, but what, how does it look weird to the outside observer? Yeah, it was kind of, it's an interesting thing because like every time that I did it, there is always people who would kind of give me a sideways eye. Um, because you're just not you're inherently not doing the full range of motion so you come down to maybe like two inches off your chest and pause there and then press back up so same rules apply as your normal bench press um, but you're just limiting the range of motion and what that does is since I struggle in the mid-range of the movement that only works the mid-range of the movement so I don't have trouble coming off my chest but I have trouble moving through that kind of second third of the movement so that's all that that's working so i'm skipping the first third of it and only working the second third uh to really dial that in i think it's funny because as coaches obviously when we're in the gym like we notice when other people aren't doing full range of motion or you know or doing things that just don't make sense so it's it's funny to then be in in that world to where it's like you're purposely doing this yeah, for a reason and people are looking at you like what are you yeah, doing <laughs> it's weird because like we uh are so quick to like analyze that with other people but then people are maybe analyzing me doing that but then they don't realize that i i'm like going further than doing full range of motion i'm doing like something so detail oriented to a specific part of one lift yeah. that I'm doing a specific movement for that. That's like, like that you're like come off as like not knowing, having knowledge about it, but then you like are doing it because you have 
way more knowledge than just doing full range of motion almost. I think you hit the nail right on the head, but to expand on that, I think it's like that movement, particularly medium stance or frog stance deadlift is another one. You can look at someone doing it and be like, oh, what do they not know how to deadlift? Yeah. What are they halfway in between? It's like, yeah, dummy, they are halfway in between because it's mechanically advantageous. Um, whereas certainly like as a coach, but even just as a person in the gym, sometimes you have to be very, very cautious about judging people in their movement because they're, what they're doing, it, may, it certainly could just be wrong, and you're going to see that a lot, but they're, they may be just so specialized in doing something that's so specific to them that it actually is beyond your understanding of that particular movement pattern. So we always have to be careful about casting judgment on people. Yeah, so since we're talking about movement, was there something in this cycle kind of in preparation, whether it was preparing to work on weaknesses or just trying to get stronger that you were kind of excited to work on that maybe throughout hypertrophy you didn't? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm always excited. My like strongest thing is probably my squat, just pound for pound with my size and uh, like in terms of my total. So I, I like have so much fun. Like it's always Monday was like the heavy squat day and that was like the best day of the week because it's just fun for me. So I always look forward to that. But that wasn't necessarily like my focus for this cycle because I already knew that it was, that was at a good point. So I, that was like maintain or just see what I can get. Um, kind of similar with deadlift, like I said, like bench is my weak link so I really focused on that but still with deadlift I always felt like I could be strong for like that one opportunity but whenever I had to do like still relatively heavy sets I wasn't super comfortable with that so I feel like I've gained a lot of confidence in uh, being more comfortable at heavier weights for reps um, than I did than I was at coming into this cycle. So I think just like gaining confidence with that and figuring out a good position that works for me and learning maybe now that deadlifting conventional isn't maybe the best for me. So I'll go through this meet and deadlift conventionally or in a conventional stance, but after that maybe switch to sumo. Um, so I think that's kind of been a fun part and exciting It's just like each day you kind of obviously you're trying to get stronger and follow what the program says but you kind of figure out new little things each time and um just play with things that you've been learning about so uh like stances with deadlifts or different positions or you know this work last week or like i mentioned earlier the strain kind of that i felt initially when i was squatting it was like okay i need to fix that or else this whole training block is like going to be messed up. So I figured that out in terms of position and then it went away. I think that's, you hit on like maybe the most important part of this, like the, so the competition is cool and pushing yourself is cool, but that journey of self-discovery of certainly positioning and what works for you and what doesn't work for you and what you're excited for and what's more of a challenge and what may make sense going forward, right? In terms of how you're built and where you come out of position and all that kind of stuff are really cool journeys of self-discovery. And so obviously this is focused on competitive, you know, the performance element, but everybody 
should be engaging in this. Like you shouldn't be going to the gym beyond a certain like beginner point to just like move weights or you should be going to improve and learn about yourself. And that journey of learning is, should be fun. It should be eminently very exciting. Uh, so yeah. So if we, as we kind of start to look toward this final kind of culmination of your training, and I know you've been entering in some numbers and, you know, submitting stuff in terms of what you're going to try to hit. So give us a little teaser of what you think you're going to try to smash um, for each of the three movements. And then obviously we'll revisit it next week. Uh, so we can go in order, order of in which that I will complete them. Uh, so for squat, I would like to either match my PR, which was 405, or beat it, just because that's the squat has been feeling very, very good um, in my last few weeks of peaking. So I feel like I can have a good showing with that. So I'd like to maybe get like 410 or 415. Um, for bench, I have no idea. I would take whatever I can get. Um, ideally, being really realistic, maybe like 250. Um, and then deadlift, kind of same spot. Um, I'd like to at least get 485, um, just because that was kind of my nemesis last time. Um, but then obviously, the if things are feeling good, the, the big goal is 500 for the deadlift. So that's 485 is just a stepping stone. And then if not 500 this time, then hopefully in the next couple couple training blocks, that's the big goal. Yes. Yeah. 485 was what you 470 yeah I hit 470 okay. and then 485 was like what I had like halfway up halfway up so I think so after, after like <laughs> like six away. yeah six months now yeah or more yeah six months I guess yeah. of like extremely dedicated hamstring work even in our hypertrophy cycles like that was always in the back of my mind and then especially now this cycle is like that's that's the one thing because yeah. it was like, that could have been it. But that's the exciting part about throughout all of this training, right? When you guys did that mock meet over the summer, it wasn't like at that point in time that you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this for real. It was yeah. like, we're doing this. We're having fun. We've gone through this cycle of strength training. I just want to see kind of where I'm at. And to be so close to 485, to now be able to be like, okay, I've, I've trained specifically for this. Uh, to then kind of see where that is now and kind of where you can go from there. I think the interesting thing too for the listener is like this has been, it is such a long-term process. Like I didn't even know I was going to do this meet until after I finished my hypertrophy cycles. So that was like four months, three or four months of like doing hamstring stuff, keeping in mind that I missed 485 due to my lack of strength in my hamstrings all of that time and I didn't even have this end goal of like doing this meet. So that's like always in the back of your head. Like it's it's literally like six months at this point since we did that and doing all this hamstring stuff and like 45 still gonna feel heavy. You know what I mean? Like it's still like you may eke out a couple more pounds and you just did six months. You know what I mean? I think that's where like we were saying like it's just like enjoying doing it. It's fun. And then at the end of the day like you could just not be feeling it and I could hit 450. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it's as important too to like 
it goes back to like what your overall goals were, right? Like yeah. your goal and your mindset in doing these last few training blocks were not like I'm going to do a powerlifting meet. It was I did this, this was fun. I worked on some weaknesses that I had. Where I'm at now, it would be fun to do again and do in an actual like competition, not just, you know, for fun at the at the gym we train. Yeah. I think it's so you guys are both sort of alluding to and touching on this, but using a block of training. So this is a block for you. It's like three mesocycles of training and then you'll switch to some other kind of block or, or take a little break and then do run this again um, to potentiate the next thing. So the goal of your current thing is to move you along to make your next thing better. That's potentiate is just a fancy way of saying to make the next thing better. And so what we want to try to do is divorce ourselves from the instant gratification of the moment. Because quite frankly, beyond a certain point, you're not going to get instant gratification. The gains get harder. Your physique is not going to change dramatically day after day, week after week. It's just not going to work like that way. And strength gains are harder and harder to come by when your absolute strength gets to a certain point. You have to work harder for less. That's just the reality. So we can't always be hyper-focused on performance metrics. We have to be hyper-focused on forward movement. I think that's, a, that's something that we, you and I have talked about like recently is it's as much as I'm like looking forward to this meet and what I want to do at this meet and X, Y, and Z, like I'm, my mind isn't even like I've, that was three months ago in my mind. You know what I mean? Like now I'm, I'm like, all right, so what, or what do I want to focus on? What's the next goal? Like, what am I going to, based on what I've just did this training block, like, what do I want to change for next time? And like, where am I going to go with that stuff? So I think it's always like, you're like have one day in your mind but your your mindset is already three three months ahead of that yeah you're you're thinking uh, basically a training block ahead of where you are i'm thinking there's snow on the ground right now it's freezing cold outside and we're in the middle of winter and i'm thinking about what nutrition and fitness phase i'm going to be in high summer yeah because you know because you have it planned out until then even uh like we mentioned like switching to sumo like i already have like my next block like planned out and the changes I'm going to make and I haven't even finished this one yeah so I think you know for the listener that might sound a little intimidating that's what you have coaches for (laughs) it's important to understand that we we're coaches so we're you know we spend a lot of time thinking about this obviously with for other people that's like the our entire day is basically spent that way but we think about it for ourselves too so as a listener this is something that would make sense for you to start to do for you. What do you want to focus on next? What's the next thing? Um, also, you know, something you alluded to is gradual progress. Sometimes we, we talk with people and they're really, really excited. And that's exciting that they're excited. But if they're excited under the assumption that their progress is going to continue in a linear fashion as it has. Like, so I just, I just you know, squatted. Uh, three plates, 315. The next step on the road is 405. And it's like, you that is an order of magnitude more difficult. That is not one strength 
<laughs> that's you know training block gets you gets you three to four plates. And that's quite how it works. Uh, also, something that I've been thinking about recently too is because like last last time we did this, like when we had our mock meet, I went from like three eighty five to four oh five on my squat, and I was like awesome. So like in your mind, you're like. 425 like i'm gonna smoke it you know i mean just toss another 20 pounds on but like in reality you're like i getting five pounds is like huge you know what i mean or even like like you have to be like acknowledge that like every time it's gonna get less and less and less and less and less and like you just have to and you're gonna like work harder and harder and harder and it's gonna get less and less and less and less and less Yes and no, I think to that, it's there are a lot of other factors in that, right? And so I think that that's what's most important for our people to understand is like, so after you've worked really hard for a training block, especially if you're doing strength training, and it's like now it's time to show up. If you had like an off day, like you didn't sleep well, your nutrition was off, like, like there's so many things. And so you could be like so excited, like, yeah. I'm going to get 20 pounds on this and then like tie your old max or Or be under it. And like that just like devastates you. It's like, what did I just do the last three months? And it's like, no, that just sometimes that is what it is. Or you have a day like you had where it's like, I just put 20 pounds on my squat. And like, that's amazing. And that's an exciting thing to think about. Um, and, and so just because something goes your way or doesn't go your way shouldn't deter you in one way or the other from like your ultimate goal or the ultimate excitement of your training. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you're taking a complete gamble. Like it's like you, like you said, like I, or I even know, we were talking about it last night, like I know I'm not going to sleep well the night before or like X, Y, and Z and you'd like... It's a complete, it's like one out of 365 days and it could just not be the right, like we, everything's playing in my favor in terms of peaking and like nutrition has been extremely like thoughtful and everything, but like could just not be the day. That's true. So obviously when you're excited for something that can throw your sleep off. So it's like you have to control your controllables, Yeah. right? And so I think you guys are saying it, uh, but to be more direct with it, like if something's off, uh, that will throw it off. So the oftentimes the margin that by which you're quote unquote PRing is effectively a margin of error. PR by five or ten pounds. That's like did you sleep and did you eat breakfast? That's the difference. And we've all had that. Like you come in on like quote unquote PR day, which in hindsight in the ways we were doing it, it was laughable because there was no peaking, no tapering. You're totally blown apart and overreached and you're supposed to like maximally express something like out of nowhere. Uh, and you don't, right? Or you just get lucky and you grab two and a half pounds or five pounds or whatever uh, versus a, a full cycle and you're peaking and your nutrition is perfect and your sleep is as good as it can be and you're relaxing and all that kind of stuff. And frankly, that's kind of what it takes. Like, so you can't you can't get mad if you're like, well, I missed three meals today and I drank last night. Well, yeah, you did. You know, sh- yeah, a real shock that you underperformed. Like, <laughs> you have to take it seriously and make it a priority if that's something that's important to you. And obviously, it doesn't have to be, but it's important to be realistic. And I think that's also why, like, we have coaches. Like, we are coaches, but we also have coaches to help us kind of eliminate that 
error, right? Like this is what you're gonna do. These are your protocols for leading up to it. This is what your protocols are going to be the day of. Um, you know, in a lot of different Olympic lifting meets or in power lifting meets, you have your coach who's going to say, okay, these are the three shots you get based on what you're doing backstage. This is going to be your first number. This is going to be your second number based on what you did the first time. And, and to set you up for success in this kind of controlled environment. So, um, you know, I think it is important if these things are important to you or you're listening to this and you're thinking like, you know, competing in some former fashion would be exciting. Um, you know, obviously it's important for us as coaches to kind of know that and to help kind of guide you in any way that we can throughout that entire process, including day of. For sure. That's the fun part with of being a coach is helping people through that process. But it assumes that's very granular stuff. So how you're going to warm up and take your maximal attempts is very, very granular you know uh the bigger dials that you have to have dialed in first so to speak are the other things you have to sleep you have to you know effectively eliminate things that are going to hinder your performance like alcohol and missing meals and stuff like that And if you aren't that's like uh being worried about i heard somebody alluding to like being worried about how many like working sets they could handle in a week but uh of like of chest stuff but they don't know how to bench press and you're like well you got to learn the first thing first. Like you can't, you can't sprint before you can crawl. So exciting times. Be excited to wrap up in in a week's time and and see how things go. Uh, but yeah, thanks for thanks for telling us about it. Uh, it's great to have things that you're you're shooting for. You'd be thinking, I always think about the next thing. Yeah, I'm excited. It'll be fun. Yeah, cool. All right. That's it. Believe it. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good week. See ya.